Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for the Ascension of Our Lord. We're still within the Easter season, so the theme that we've been following this season, Victorious, uh, covers the Festival of the Ascension also. So today the theme is Power from Heaven Marches Victorious to the Ends of the Earth. We're celebrating the victory of the risen Lord Jesus, and of course now with this special festival of ascension, we see different dimensions of his power, his grace, extending to the four corners of the earth. I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. With me today, uh, as we've had throughout this Easter season, Pastor Paul Zell of Living Savior Lutheran Church in Hendersonville, North Carolina, and Pastor Caleb Kerbis, who serves Living Savior's other campus in Asheville, North Carolina. And also joining us today, Professor Sam Degner from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. He teaches New Testament and evangelism, and we're happy to have all of you, all of us together, talking about this uh, high festival in the Christian year and being able to preach the word on this special day. So, Caleb, uh, let's start with you. The Ascension of Our Lord is what we're focusing on today, one of the major festivals in the Christian year. Power from heaven marches victorious to the ends of the earth is the theme we're using to connect the different readings today. Could you help us start unpacking that theme? Yeah, thanks, John. Um, it can be easy to think that power is located in, especially as we look through our, our human perspective, as limited and finite as it is, that power is located in something that's, that's physical and it's geographical and it's something that's maybe even metrical. Um, and therefore, when Jesus leaves this world, uh, the power that comes from, from heaven or the power that is from Jesus is now less impactful. Um, so now that he's gone, there's less that's going to be done. However, we see that, that quite the opposite is happening as we look at the readings and the sermon text, especially for today. And so um, we maybe even just get a beautiful cue from this really neat uh, prayer of the day that, that's, that's been used for such a long time, a really neat history invite people to look into it if they haven't um, by the venerable bead. But I'll just read it really briefly. Uh, Lord Jesus, King of glory, on this day you ascended far above the heavens, and at God's right hand you rule the nations. Leave us not alone, we pray, but grant us the spirit of truth that at your command and by your power we may be your witnesses in all the world. Um, so that the, this power that is from heaven is not inherent in the disciples or in us, but it is from God. That is the spirit of the gospel. Uh, the witnesses of the resurrection as they carried it from Jerusalem and Judea. Um, we now have this very same testimony, this witness of the resurrection and the gospel as this, this spirit of truth and power continues to work through the church, creating quite an, a wonderful and powerful impact uh, even beyond what we could have imagined. Great. Yeah. Uh, just a beautiful uh, view of Jesus' power we have on this festival and that uh, outward focus um, when we think about that power of the gospel. Uh, Paul, let's go to you next. Could you give us a summary of the other scripture readings for this festival or the, the three readings that we're uh, thinking about and how they relate to one another? Yeah, um, gladly. The gospel of the day, the gospel for the festival is the end of St. Luke chapter 24, uh, Jesus speaking to his disciples about the message, uh, repentance and the forgiveness of sins and the messengers who will preach this in his name to all nations. 
uh, you, you read that line and already there's something a bit intimidating in that. Uh, you are witnesses of these things. There's a, a, in a sense, a promise that he makes. This is who you are, who he's made us to be. Um, which, of course, there's encouragement there, but it gets even better. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, uh, referencing the Holy Spirit, so that and, um, stay until you've been clothed with power from on high. And that word power and the, the working of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Spirit for witnessing works its way through all the lessons. Uh, they're, they're very... This particular series set is very closely tied together. Um, the uh, first reading is Book of Acts. So, you know, you've got the one volume comes to an end. The other picks up Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, written by St. Luke, of course. We'll talk about that later, so I'll just put that aside for the moment. Um, the second reading is another one in this Easter season from... The book of Revelation. So this one is chapter 19. Uh, the, the terrifying power of the ascended Lord. Um, so his, he has on his head many crowns as he rides on his white horse. His robe is dipped in blood and it's not his own blood. It's the blood of, of those foes of his who he has, he has trampled in the, in the in the wine press, um, coming out of his mouth, the powerful word, a sharp sword. You think of Ephesians 6, but of course you also think of that promise that he would give his witnesses power. And of course his name, his reputation, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So one, um, even the fact that he's given a name that, um, that no one knows but he himself, uh, you, you can't, you know, that's that one plus one plus equals two knowledge. You can't really put this together, just how not only wise he is, but how powerful he is as he carries out the work of his kingdom against his enemies, but obviously for those who are his own people. So um, just a a wonderful lesson to read. Of course, that's not the sermon text this time as, as we're doing this podcast. The, the sermon text is the first reading from Acts chapter one. Great. Thank you for that overview, Paul. Yeah. And for pointing out the close connection that we've got here between all of the lessons, the, the power of Jesus, the witnessing. Then let's uh, go to the sermon text that we're thinking about this week uh, or for this festival. Um, Sam, could you Get us started on uh, thinking about Acts 1, verses 1 through 11. Uh, maybe highlight some things in the text that will help preachers as their sermons begin to take shape. Sure. Uh, I appreciate Paul mentioning the close connection between these texts, and it's especially there between uh, the gospel and, and this one. Uh, of course, the same, same writer. Uh, it creates kind of an unusual situation in the, in the worship service when you uh, get to the gospel and Jesus already ascended in the first lesson. And then uh, you have his ascension mentioned again at the end of the, the gospel. But um, it, when you, when you consider the two, the two books and how they, you know, fit together, I guess I think of it like um, uh, you watch an episode on TV and you get to the end and there's some foreshadowing that happens at the very end. There's a, uh, what you 
you're going to see in the next episode you get at the end of that one. And then in the next one, they recap, uh, this is what happened last week. Uh, something similar, I think, with, with Luke here. Uh, he mentions just briefly the ascension at the end of his gospel. Uh, and then at the be beginning of, uh, of Acts, he briefly recaps what, uh, what the end of his gospel had been all about, the suffering uh, and, uh, and death and then uh, resurrection of Christ. Um, so uh, a nice overlap there. Uh, and I think it, it, when you're studying this text to preach on it, uh, it really does help in this case to, to compare with, uh, with that gospel lesson. Um, because I think it sets, sets what happens on Jesus' ascension day into the, the big scheme of things. And, and so you're, you're not preaching on Luke this time around, but uh, when, when Jesus tells his disciples, uh, this is what had to happen. This is what the scriptures said would happen, that this, the, the Messiah would suffer and rise. And then repentance and forgiveness of sins would be preached to the ends of the earth. And you are witnesses of these things. This was God's plan all along. So the mission, which is very clear in our text in Acts, uh, is part of God's mission. Uh, and, uh, and I think that, that, that Luke gospel helps us see it that way. Uh, but talking specifically about the, uh, the text uh, for today, the, uh, you know, the first few verses, you have some, some references then back to Jesus' life, back to uh, Luke's, Luke's gospel. Uh, you have some, some connections there, like the witness concept that Paul already mentioned, waiting in Jerusalem until the Spirit would come, something Jesus had specifically said, uh, a specific connection there. Um, and then I think as you move through the rest of the, rest of the text, you have a lot of um, a lot of takeaways for for the mission of God's people. Uh, so I, I, maybe I'll just mention a few of those, and, and maybe some of these end up uh, in, in the sermon, maybe even parts of a sermon or something like that. But um, as Jesus sends his disciples out on this mission, uh, he 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 mentions a, a few things. Well, first of all, you, you notice that uh, this mission is uh, commanded by the ascended Lord Jesus. Um, in other words, the, the powerful conquering king, right? So the mission of the church is the marching orders coming from the king in heaven. You have Jesus' glory uh, uh, alluded to when he's uh, covered up by the cloud, um, maybe or even probably uh, hearkening back to the, the cloud of glory that, uh, for example, was on Mount uh, Transfiguration uh, or the cloud of glory that signified God's presence in the Old Testament. So Jesus going back into the presence of the Father, taking up his reign again. He's the one who sends out his church. I think that's an important point. Uh, another one is how that, that mission of the church is empowered by the Spirit. The Spirit is a, an, uh, an important theme in the book of Acts, uh, and you have references to it here and then again in the, in the gospel to, uh, to him, to the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the worldwide scope of that mission, which again you had in the gospel and now, now here in Acts, uh, starting in Jerusalem and going to the ends of the earth. The, uh, the end time urgency of that mission, it's interesting how on the very day Jesus ascends into heaven, uh, we're also told that he will be returning from heaven, and, and the same Jesus in the same way. And so um, the, the book ends to the New Testament uh, period uh, that, that gives urgency to the mission that, uh, that, the, that the church has. Uh, maybe I'll just mention... Uh, one other thing now, uh, and that would be some of the uh, the emphasis in the last few verses there on on sight words. You, you've got uh, 
seeing verbs, uh, you've got eyes mentioned, uh, the disciples as eyewitnesses. You had, you had um, uh, Jesus appearing to them mentioned earlier, again, in the verses. Uh, Jesus, the disciples as witnesses, not just witnesses, but eyewitnesses of, of Christ and his mission and his work, and now going out to be witnesses to the world. Uh, I think I'll, I'll stop there for now. I've been talking long enough, but maybe come back to a few things later. No, thank you. Uh, excellent seed thoughts for application for, um, yeah, really getting at the core of the text too. Um, just a question that, that comes to mind as you, you guys are preaching this text or as you've done it in the past, um, there's a lot to cover if you start unpacking those initial verses, um, Luke and Theophilus. And um, do you typically tend to kind of summarize those as kind of setting the backdrop for the ascension event and the sending um, as witnesses? Um, I mean, I think that's probably how I have done it um, using, using that, those verses to sort of set the stage, the power of Jesus, the resurrection is recapped there. Or I like how you put it, Sam. It's kind of at the start of uh, episode two. There's a little recap from episode one. Um, and Luke kind of brings back what he uh, had written at the, the very end of his gospel. Um, but yeah, I don't know, just some thoughts on that. Do you typically, when you preach this text, focus on the latter part of it and use the first part to kind of recap or set the stage? Or have you at times focused more attention on that first section? Just one, one thought to that is this is um, Ascension is, you know, we're celebrating on the seventh Sunday of Easter, but we've been looking at um, the, the account of our Savior's suffering and death and then especially his resurrection. So that this is, um, really opens up the so so now what so I, I, I you know that's kind of repeating what you said to help again remind us this is what we've seen that Christ is risen he's risen indeed now what and the now what of course is to to be his witnesses so well equipped with the the spirit and, and the power that he gives so there's uh, yeah, his work is the, you, you said it, I'm repeating it, the foundation for what now we are privileged and really well equipped to do uh, as, as his saints. Yeah. Yeah, the Easter truth of Christ's victory, which uh, Luke recaps there, the many convincing proofs that he was alive and, and other phrases like that. Um, yeah, really set the stage for, okay, what is the next part of uh, the plan of the, the powerful Savior? Um, and then the Ascension event and Jesus' commission really set that before us. Um, yeah, what, uh, as you're thinking about this text and kind of zeroing in on a main thought um, or what the heart of the text is that you want to convey, um, what would you suggest to preachers um, if you're kind of got your, your study done, you've got a lot of information in front of you. Um, Sam, you've started uh, kind of narrowing this down for us a little bit already, but um, what, where would you point preachers to uh, go as a focal point of the text? Sam? I, I apologize if I have 
narrowed it down prematurely by talking about the, uh, the mission um, of the church. But I, I do think this, this text gives a, a unique opportunity to, uh, to talk about the mission, to, to ground our mission in what Christ did because of the way that Luke uh, begins the, this book, um, referring back to Jesus and what he did, his suffering, his appearing alive, uh, and then, uh, uh, and then his sending us out. So I think there, there are a lot of opportunities throughout the year to, to talk about evangelism, to talk about the mission of the church, but this one gives a unique opportunity mm -hmm. to ground it in, in Christ's mission and now his, uh, his uh, all-powerful, glorious reign in, in heaven. Great. No, I, I think you're absolutely uh, on track there, or that's kind of how I was thinking also, because uh, in part, Paul's summary of the other lessons too, maybe figures into this and the other readings, the other readings paired with this one, repentance and forgiveness of sins preached in Christ's name to all nations, uh, the conquering king and revelation and the sword of his mouth coming out. Uh, uh, so yeah, I think the, the powerful risen and ascended Christ sending out his followers, commissioning them to go with the, the sword of his word out into the world. That makes sense to me as kind of a focal point of this text. I brought it up just because ascension, if you deal with it sort of in, uh, in isolation, you can go a lot of different directions with it. You know, Jesus has ascended and that means there's a heavenly home waiting for us, or Jesus is ascended and he's ruling over all things to care for us. But I, I think I would agree that the witnessing aspect and the mission of the church really come to the fore with these readings. Uh, further thoughts on that or um, expanding on that at all, how you would carry through this uh, or carry out this theme in your sermon, Caleb? Yeah, I don't know if um, this kind of applies to your previous question too, John, that um, kind of where, what do you do with some of those first parts? Do you use it to kind of serve as the back or the, the foundation, the launch pad before you get into the, the gifts of the ascension? But, and I don't know if any, if any others have, have found this to be true um, in their preaching, but it seems like transfiguration and, the, and ascension can sometimes be harder to preach on than, you know, in comparison to, at least as, I'm, as I talk with people in comparison to things like, well, Christmas and Jesus crucifixion and Easter, almost as if it's more of a transcendental thing. And maybe because it's a little bit more of a transcendental concept, like his, his divine power, his reign, his rule, then it's almost kind of incidental. Um, but really the, the blessings that Sam and Paul both highlighted really make it anything but that. Um, and, and, and I think I like what Sam said before, too, the, the church finds its grounding in what the ascended Savior gives. And so although it looks like this is just one of those kind of other things that we talk about, and there's a clause about it in the Apostles' Creed, um, it's just as big of a deal as Jesus coming into the world, um, even if there might not be as many decorations and presents under, under a tree. And so uh, that therefore kind of leads us to reevaluate the things that might be mundane due to our own fault, like the power of the Holy Spirit that rests in, in the means of grace and what we really are to be about as a church. Um, it, that's as simple as these bumbling Galileans going around the Mediterranean world saying what they knew and what they saw, which just so happens to be nothing more elaborate than what we can do by God's grace and are called to do. Um, 
So it's anything, anything but incidental in, in that regard. And, and maybe to help, help Christians focus in that regard is not just something that they need, but we, we need that encouragement too. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just a, a, a kind of this unusual event that we look at out of curiosity. Now this mm-hmm. means something for the church right here and now, Sam. Uh, if I could just uh, kind of put in a, an encouragement here because of what Caleb just said about how maybe it doesn't jump out like some of the other festivals of the church here. Uh, I love Ascension. It was one of my favorite uh, favorite Sundays as a pastor or Sundays, favorite uh, festival days. We actually celebrated on Thursday night. I wonder if uh, sometimes it's been overlooked because it was a Thursday night and a lot of people couldn't, uh, couldn't make it maybe or something like that. Um, uh, and I don't know what our preachers out there have have planned uh, for it, but I, I would I would encourage our brothers to make it a big deal uh, as as much as they can, whether that's uh, if they have it on Sunday or even on a Thursday night. We we would uh, uh, every year have a big party uh, on that Thursday night and do something like roast a pig or uh, to make it a, a special occasion. It's the coronation of our King, right? It's the uh, the the beginning of the the church's work um, to to really draw people's attention to it. So that, that doesn't have to do with preaching, but just an encouragement. Yeah, great encouragement. And, you know, uh, I always think of Ascension along with Epiphany is kind of like this too. Ascension always falls on a Thursday. Epiphany, you know, varies what day of the week it falls. And sometimes it, it's on a Sunday or close to a Sunday. And um, maybe even when it wasn't, I would observe it on the closest Sunday to January 6th too. But these beautiful festivals that can get overlooked um, just because uh, the way the, the the calendar plays out sometimes. So yeah, great encouragement, Sam. I'd echo that. Make it a big deal. Make it um, a celebration of Jesus and his kingship um, and uh, of the church's mission too. Um, beautiful opportunity to do that. Uh, what do you guys think about uh, preaching law and gospel from this text? Um, or what aspects of that would you bring out um, that uh, are specific to this text or pictures, images, or, or ways that uh, the Holy Spirit through Luke goes about expressing the truth of the ascension here. Law and gospel ideas? Paul? Just because this, um, this text and especially um, verses seven and eight, I, I guess verse eight in particular sort of sets the theme and the outline for the whole book of Acts, there's there's so many instances and images of timidity now be, has become courage, uh, reluctance, um, fear has has become powerful witnesses in Jerusalem, and you know <laughs> the Apostle Peter. I mean, what there there's imagery right there. The the, the denier and the sometimes foolish man is now standing in front of the, the Pentecost crowd and calling on them to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins or the apostle Paul. Um, so I, and I, I'm sure I'm not the only one that just loves Bible history and the history of the book of Acts to, to be able to pull a couple of, this is what that this looks like to um, someone who the Lord overcame that person's timidity, fear, hatred, laziness, whatever it would be, and gave the spirit with power to that person and that church to, um, to, to witness and, and thus the, 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 the kingdom was proclaimed. 
So I, that's just kind of jumping on what imagery comes to mind. Book of Acts imagery, uh, which is so wonderful, I think, to preach. Even, even though this is preliminary, it, it kind of opens the book to like fair game for the preacher. Yeah. Yeah, it could be that if you're looking for an illustration of, okay, what happened when uh, the Holy Spirit came with power and the witnesses started going out to the ends of the earth, yeah, take your pick from the whole book of Acts, right? Um, and uh, maybe you'd even want to uh, quickly and vividly retell um, some account from later on in the book of Acts to see yeah, what what Jesus said in his commission here before ascending, uh, this really happened. And here's one of the instances, um, or perhaps you want to illustrate from your own ministry, your own life, or, or another that, you know, uh, this is still happening. The power of the spirit is still at work in the world. Other thoughts on, on, uh, law and gospel or, or text specific, uh, imagery that we could, um, make use of as we preach this text. Caleb? If um, a preacher were to look at the perspective of the, um, the disciples during this time and the, the short-sightedness, the, the narrow focus that they had, uh, you, you kind of can't get around the fact that not only did Jesus have to give them convincing proofs and they weren't exactly the first to want to believe in a resurrection, but then even at that time, there's such a small scope that they have... Um, but then Jesus not only blows that out of the water, but he does it, he does it for them. So this is not only a blessing that he does in, in the face of it to, to, so as to prove them wrong, but this is a, these are a whole host of blessings, the blessings of baptism by the Holy spirit, the forgiveness of sins. And you're going to preach that you could bring in those gospel lesson aspects that Sam mentioned earlier. And, and Paul did too, um, that this is for them um, first. And then it would also be for others. So there's, there's maybe a, a law gospel connection there that, could enable preachers to to consider how the the site or the scope that we often have for Jesus' work. Sure, it might not we might not be asking him, "Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel?" Um, but this the the scope and the expectations that we might have as as his people is so often so much smaller than what he has, and and we can even even also think lesser of these immense eternal gifts that he gives, which which, which can't, literally can't be measured, even though we might try to diminish them, the forgiveness of sins, the gift of the spirit, the power to be his witnesses. So there's a, a benefit of, there, there might be an angle for preachers there to, to preach some specific um, law and gospel. Sam? The, the first thing that came to mind was similar uh, for me. I think something that struck me as I, as I was studying it this time around was uh, how, how the disciples focus has to be redirected twice right uh, first uh they they ask about the the kingdom being restored and jesus said no 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 that uh let's not talk about times and seasons um I, i'm gonna you, you stay in jerusalem until you get the holy spirit i'm giving you power you're going to be my witnesses that's what i want you to focus on now uh, and then again at the end when they're standing up you know looking at the sky and uh, the angels say guys no wrong 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 direction uh they're looking up into heaven, but but Jesus had given them uh, something to do here on earth. Uh, of course, uh, still waiting for that Savior to come uh, again, but uh, they they had they had work to do. So um, maybe maybe kind of a, similar to what you were saying, Caleb, a little bit of a a, a focus that's uh, inward or selfish or uh, has has the the person at the center um, ra rather than the 
the wider scope of the work that that Jesus is is calling us to do here. Um, thought it was interesting just that the 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 same angels who uh, well I guess we don't know that it was the same angels, but uh, angels tell the disciples on Easter, come and see, right? Uh, come and look. Uh, he's not here. And now they're saying, stop looking, <laughs> stop looking up at the sky, um, implying, I think, that you have work to do before Jesus comes again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems that the disciples, um, you know, they they have seen and they're, it, it's clicking now. You know, we had those uh, accounts at the end of, of Luke's gospel as uh, Jesus opens their minds so they can understand the scriptures and and things are starting to fall into place. Okay, the, he was promised. The Savior came in fulfillment of the prophecies. He died. He rose. Well, what could possibly be next? Um, I guess this is, everything is done. Um, yeah, and just to see the angels adjust their vision to say, uh, actually, it, it's not done yet. The next phase is, um, and Jesus, of course, doing this with his commission too. Um, how about me marching victoriously around the world for 2000 plus years, conquering people's hearts one after the other and extending my power and my grace, you know, to person after person. Um, they, they just couldn't envision it. I think, yeah, their, their, the scope of their vision was too small. And uh, Jesus says, no, the, the power of the spirit is going to do more than you could ever imagine. Um, the, uh, uh, I think we kind of talked about the the main point of the text we're going to focus on, some law and gospel proclamation ideas. Um, And Sam, you um, have have pointed out some beautiful applications, different aspects of ways to apply the text. Um, Anything else you think of that would help preachers as they go about preaching this text? I'll open it up to to anybody, just uh, final thoughts that you might want to share with preachers or encouragements you'd like to give. This isn't saying anything new, but the the power that is given with the Holy Spirit who raised each of us from from death, spiritual death to, to made us alive eternally, uh, the, the power of the Spirit to bring Christ for us in, into our hearts and turn our hostility into, in, in, into faith and love for the Lord, that that power is also given to us for the benefit of others. Uh, I'm, th- I'm thinking again of that question, how is this illustrated? So one, is, one way to illustrate it is, or a couple ways, is instances in the book of Acts, but it's it's always interesting to ask people in your church. So how how did you become a part of us? How did uh, whether it's how did you become a Christian or how did you become a part of this congregation? And it's always someone else that told them something. Somehow the word came to them that led them to and brought them into this group. So for for all of the timidity that I have by nature, um, maybe a greater dose of that than, than, than most, the Lord gives me plenty of examples of where the, the, the power of the Spirit to be a witness um, actually brings, brings Christ to somebody else. And it, it happens over and over and over again. 
So it's kind of, I, just to say a little bit more, you ask people, so how did the two of you meet? That's always a fun thing for them to say. Uh, we always often get to hear, and, and church people maybe want to ask, so how did you become a part of Living Savior? And there's, there's a, an, an instance of power of the Spirit through someone else as, as a witness, in, and, and maybe for, through quite a number of people. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. Uh, just go to the people that you're, you're living and serving with right there and uh, share some of their stories. Um, or yeah, go to someone and ask them, could I hear your story of how the Spirit connected you to Jesus? And and could I share that with people? Because I think well, yeah, when you do share those accounts, doesn't it spark possibilities for people? Um, and even maybe in the, the kind of the mundane stories that, yeah, well, I had a coworker invite me to class and I thought, sure, I'll go. And, you know, it wasn't dramatic from the world standpoint, but yeah, this was the spirit's work and, it, and it's an, an amazing thing. And um, if it could happen that time, why not through me uh, next time? The spirit is still at work. Other thoughts uh, related to that, illustrating, applying these truths? Yeah, just uh, the possibilities are endless, really. I mean, it, every story uh, of every Christian is an instance of these words playing out in the world um, as the, the gospel moves from one person to another. So beautiful opportunities to point that out to people. And um, yeah, to, just to say this is still happening and it's happening among us and through us. All right, well, um, let's wrap up for this week. Thank you to Sam and Caleb and Paul once again, and God's blessings as the Spirit uh, guides you as you proclaim this beautiful message of Jesus' power at work in the world, the ascension of our Lord. God bless you as you preach the word.